0: we're going to be continuing now in the series on the end times. And last week, we looked at the rapture, the rapture of the church, and when that was going to happen and its nature. And this week, we're going to have a look at Israel, the church, and the end times. I want to continue, and a special welcome to those of you that have joined us on the internet. I know many people, because they get in touch with me, do watch us and join us on the internet, live all over the world, and many others will be watching this program later on in the week as they keep up with the teaching series. Don't forget, if you miss any in this series, you simply go to our media page, scroll right down to the bottom where it says Series Press on the series, and you'll find n times, and all the other series we've done at the five o'clock, and you'll be able to see the programmes right there, one after the other. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 11. I'm going to give a good, solid Bible reading, the whole chapter for you today, and uh, we're going to spend time unpackaging and looking at the relationship between Israel and the Church, and especially Israel in the end times. Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, has God cast away his people Israel? Certainly not, for I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew, or do you not know that what what Scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace... And if by grace, then it's no longer by works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who felt severity, but towards you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you are cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. That's a very powerful passage that I'll explain shortly about the state and situation that Paul and the early church found themselves in. We know at the beginning of Acts there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the apostles on the day of Pentecost, and there was a great revival amongst the Jewish people in Jerusalem that spread to Samaria and then the whole world. But at the time of writing the the letter of Romans, that great revival amongst the Jewish people had very much slowed almost to a stop. And Paul found himself in a situation where people were asking him, saying, Paul, we don't understand. How come Jewish people don't seem to be getting saved anymore. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Gentiles are getting saved. You're the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, and they're just coming in. There is revival amongst the Gentiles, but it seems that God's work amongst the Jews is drying up. The more Gentiles that get saved, the fewer Jews, it seems, that are getting saved. We don't understand this because we thought the Jews were God's people, and it's looking like he's turned their back on him. Now, when we study the Bible and we want to find out the relationship between the church and the nation of Israel, as I always say in these teachings, whenever you want to go to a topic in the Bible to study, always first go to where it's most clearly taught about, all right? So, if you want to learn about how to be saved from your sins, you go to Galatians, you go to Romans, you go to John's Gospel. Those three books were written with with, with the intention of explaining how to be saved. So, you'd go where it's most clearly taught. Last week when we were studying the rapture, I said, when you want to study the end times, the second coming, the rapture, the Antichrist, don't start in Revelation, because Revelation is quite tricky to handle. <laughs> Have anybody tried? So go to where it's most clearly taught, in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Paul is clearly teaching on the end times, the second coming, the rapture, the antichrist. He's clearly teaching, start there and then move out to other scriptures. And so the clearest passages for you to start with when you want to study about God's plan for the church in Israel and Israel in the end times is Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11. Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11. Because The first part of Romans, up to Romans chapter 9, Paul is speaking on how to be saved through faith in Christ and through faith alone. But when he comes to Romans chapter 9, it's in these three chapters, 9, 10, and 11, that Paul begins to answer a question that people are asking, how come Israel doesn't seem to be saved, and yet the Gentiles are coming in in their thousand, but it seems very few Jewish people are being saved. Has God given up on Israel? Has God now forever abandoned Israel and is only focusing on the Gentiles? Because it looks that way, because the Jews seem to be persecuting rather than receiving their Messiah, the Christ. And so in these three chapters, Paul answers, no, God has not finished with the nation of Israel. But this is a period where God is focusing on the Gentiles, but he will come back just before Jesus returns and he will pour out the last end time revival and guess who it's going to be on? It's going to be on Israel. It's going to be on the Jews. So Paul is saying, don't just look out and think that God has finished with Israel. This is the season of the Gentiles. And we see that in Romans chapter 9. Having spoken about salvation by faith available to all, in chapter 9, he turns to the question of Israel. Let's read chapter 9, verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying, my conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain adoption, the glory, the covenant, and the giving of the law. So in chapter 9, we can see what Paul is saying. Do you know what? I see as well as you see that the Jewish people are not getting saved, yet the Gentiles are coming in in their thousands, and I want you to know it grieves me. It brings sorrow. If If I could lose my salvation for my own countrymen, for my own flesh and blood, the Jewish people, I would do that. But then in verse six, he says, But don't think that God's word doesn't work, because he says in verse six, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called, that is, those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as seed. What does this section mean? Well, Paul is saying God's word is working, don't you worry. But you need to know that Israel, all Israel has never always been saved. And he says, look, he says, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. What does he mean by this? Well, when we try to understand the word Israel in the Bible and the New Testament, it's very important that we understand what Israel means. Some people teach, wrongly, that when, when, when Jesus came and the church was born, that Israel now means the church, and that it doesn't mean a nation. It doesn't mean the Jewish people that were physical descendants of Abraham. Some people wrongly teach that after Jesus came, Israel simply means the church. That is not the case. But we see here that Paul says, remember, all Israel are not Israel what does he mean by that? Well, the best way to understand it is this. There are two Israels. There is the physical Israel, the descendants of of Israel, the race of the Jews, a physical Israel, and there is a spiritual Israel, okay? And all Jewish people are part of physical Israel, But only believing Jewish people are part of spiritual Israel. Do you remember in chapter 11 that as I was reading and uh, we came to the story of Elijah and Elijah said there's only me left. What he meant was, I'm the only part of spiritual Israel left. Everybody's forsaken you, and I am the only believing Jew. Only I am spiritual Israel. It looked like Israel had totally forsaken the Lord. And God said, do you know what, Elijah? You can't see what I see. Let me tell you something. I have left myself a remnant. And despite the nation seem to be turning in its fullness against me, Elijah, there are how many? 7,000 spiritual Israelites. Okay, so remember this. All Jewish people, the Jewish race, all part of physical Israel, but only those believing in the Lord, are spiritual Israel. And So that's what he's talking about right now. And... He says, just because you're born Jewish doesn't mean you're saved. This is important. Just because you are born Jewish does not mean you're going to a heaven. If you're born Jewish, it's a great thing to be born Jewish because you have a marvelous, wonderful heritage. But it's not enough to be born Jewish to go to heaven. You need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. You need to join spiritual Israel. You need to be like Elijah and the 7,000 if you want to have a relationship with God and go to heaven. So just because someone is Jewish does not mean that they're going to heaven. They're part of physical Israel, but they must also believe the gospel to be part of spiritual Israel. And I won't go into detail in Romans 9, but the rest of Romans 9 is an illustration of the fact that just because you're physically descended from Abraham or Jacob does not mean that you're spiritual Israel. I'll just show you, he gives an example there, doesn't he, in verse 8, those who are children of the flesh, these are not children of God. Children of the flesh means here physically descended from Abraham, the Jewish race. But he says, they're not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as the seed. And then we have examples that are here. We have example of God calling and giving promises to one and not another. We see that uh, when Rebecca and Sarah, uh, um, for, verse 9, "'For this is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son.'" Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God might stand in election of him who calls and not of him who works. It was said, the older shall serve the younger. Now, let, let's just, I just mention this and move on very quickly. Abraham had two sons, didn't he? Isaac and Ishmael. Were both of them physical descendants of Abraham? But who did God choose? And Isaac was the son of the promise. So, Isaac was spiritual Israel, if I can put it that way. Ishmael was born of Abraham. He was as much his son, and And Abraham loved Ishmael. In fact, he wished Ishmael could be spiritual, didn't he? He said, oh God, if Ishmael would live before you. And God says, no, Isaac, God's promise and purpose. So we see that God had a purpose in choosing Isaac, not Ishmael. And then we move on to the next generation. We have Jacob. And here's a picture. Jacob had two uh, children, didn't he? By Rebecca. Uh, he had, sorry, not Jake, uh, Isaac, the next generation. Isaac had two children, Isaac. Isaac had two children. And who were those two children? Jacob and Esau. Now, they were twins and they were in the womb. And the Bible says they'd done nothing good or bad that they should be chosen. But God, in his purpose, chose. Uh, uh, Jacob, didn't he? Even though he was the second born. And you say, what are you saying? I'm saying this, that Paul is saying, God has his purpose. And he was saying, you know, you're saying, why aren't Jews getting saved? And why are all the Gentiles getting saved? Listen, God has his purpose. Not all that are Jews are spiritual Israel. Look at even our history. God chose one and not another for his purpose. God's purpose are more important than anything else. Do you know that? God's purpose is more important than your purpose. The whole universe, the whole of history, is geared towards the outworking of God's purpose. And so the rest of Romans 9 speaks about the fact that although the Jewish people aren't getting saved at the moment, Paul says, don't think that God has given up, that God now has no purpose for Israel anymore, all the Gentiles are getting saved, God's purposes for Israel must be finished. Maybe he swapped his purposes, maybe he swapped Israel for the Gentiles. And Paul is saying, don't think like that, God is at work. He still has his purpose for Israel, all right? And then we come into chapter 10. I've got to give you a feel of this before we really dive into chapter 11. And in chapter 10, chapter 10, it begins again speaking about Israel and its salvation. Romans 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. So, Paul is saying, look, God's purposes. The Jews aren't getting saved at the moment, and that's God's purpose. But I don't sit back and say, well, that's it. I pray God's will that my countrymen, my Israel, would be saved. And then the whole of chapter 10 is talking about how to get saved. That you simply believe. There's a great passage in chapter 10 that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So he's talking about how it is easy to be saved, but then later on in Romans chapter 10, if you read at your leisure, you will say, you'll hear Paul saying this, but this is the problem, he's saying. The problem is, is that the Jewish people haven't woken up to the fact that it's by faith. It's by simple trust in Jesus's death, that your sins are forgiven. They're still trying to get to heaven by works of the law. And this is their problem. This is their stumbling block. God is holding out his hands, saying, believe in my son. But the Jews are saying, no, we'll obey the law and get to heaven instead. And so we come to chapter 11, where we can Focus a little bit more on what's happening. And I want to pick up a few things here. You see, one of the greatest imageries that explains Romans 9, 10, and 11, and Israel in the end times, is this picture of an olive tree. And if we understand this picture of an olive tree in verse 16 and 17 of Romans 11, we'll understand a lot about Israel. A lot about the Gentiles, and we'll be able to understand what's going to happen in the end times. You see, the picture of this olive tree, the olive tree is a picture of Israel. God's choice, God's purpose for that nation. It was God's choice to uh, choose one man, Abraham, to touch all the men of the earth, to choose one family, Abraham's family to touch all the families. Remember the promise to Abraham? In you all, the families of the earth, will be blessed. And to choose one nation, Israel, as a light to the nations to reach all nations. But Israel was his choice. And what he said, he said, it's a bit like this what's going on. All these Gentiles getting saved and all these Jews rejecting Christ. He says it's like the olive tree. And that olive tree is a picture of God's dealing with Israel in the past. And and the patriarchs, Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, they're like the roots. That's where God began. And so this great olive tree, God's people, began to grow from the roots of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and, and Jacob. And God was blessing Israel, and his purposes were on Israel but now he says, what's happened since Jesus is now the gospel is for the whole world. That, that this is not just for Jewish people now, it's for Gentiles as well. And he says, what God has done is he's making room on his tree of life for the Gentiles. Before, salvation was for the Jew only. But now salvation is for all nations. And so God is making room on the tree of life, the olive tree, for Gentiles. Well, what's happening? We so, said it's a bit like this. You say, why aren't the Jews believing right now? Why, how come there's no revival like there was right at the first fruits of Pentecost? It says, well, it's like this. as the Jews are, As the Jews are not believing in God... As the Jews are rejecting God, what's happening? Their branches are being broken off because of unbelief. And now there's room on the tree for the Gentiles. And so their unbelief is making room for your faith. It's a season, he's saying. So you Gentiles stop boasting, because the problem was some of the Gentiles were boasting and saying, ah, God's finished with the Jews. We're Israel now. God's done it. He's finished with the Jews, turned his backs on them, and now God is God of the Gentiles. And Paul's saying that is not the case. And Paul uses the the illustration of himself at the beginning of of chapter chapter 11, verse 1. He says, hey, has God cast away his people? Paul says, no, look at me. I'm a Jew of Abraham, tribe of Benjamin. God God has left a remnant. There's still Jews getting saved. But this is a season of the Gentiles. And their unbelief is like branches being broken off. And now there's room. And so you, you were not born physical Israel. You're a Gentile. You're not a descendant of Abraham physically. You, You weren't born. But you... You are from like a wild olive tree. But God, through the gospel, is taking you and he is grafting you, placing you. Now, is God placing the Gentiles in physical Israel? No, he can't. So what is God placing the Gentiles in if it's not physical Israel? The other Israel is? You got it. This olive tree is a picture of spiritual Israel. So we as Gentiles, I mean, we can go to Jerusalem. We we can do what we want, but we can't be physical Israel because we are not descendants of Abraham physically. So we'll never be physical Israel. But God has grafted us in through the gospel and our faith. We're part of spiritual Israel. We're grafted in. And so you have two types of Jewish people. You have physical Israel. Now, if you're in physical Israel as a Jew, it's not enough, you won't be saved. But if a Jew believes in the Messiah Jesus, what happens? Not only are they in physical Israel, they are now in spiritual Israel. And guess what? Who also can join spiritual Israel? The whole world through the gospel can be grafted in to spiritual Israel. But we we always honour Israel because we know that it's out of Israel that salvation and the Messiah came. So he's saying that this is the time that God is pouring out his purposes on the Gentiles. There he says... In verse 25, look at Romans 11:25. 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. So, there is a period that we're in right now, and I believe we're we're coming to the end of it, called the period of the Gentiles. You say, Well, aren't any Jews getting saved? Yes. God always keeps himself a remnant. There's Elijahs out there that are physical Israel and spiritual Israel. There's more than 7,000 Jewish messianic believers. Throughout the history of the church, there has always been physical Israelites that believed in the Messiah and became spiritual Israelites, but it's been relatively small, hasn't it? Even today, physical Israel, the majority of physical Israel, do they believe in the Messiah? But there's a remnant, because in God's purposes, this is the special time of the Gentiles. And so we ought to be like Paul and very grateful that God made room for us on the tree of life, spiritual Israel. We certainly shouldn't boast against the Jewish people, but we should pray for them like Paul did, and pray for their salvation, and thank God for the Jewish people, the physical Jews, because if it wasn't for them, the patriarchs and the roots we would have had no chance of salvation. And how many of you remember Jesus was Jewish? He's the Jewish Messiah first, but he's, thank God, he's made room for every tribe and every nation. Now you say, you might say to yourself, I don't understand. Why would God do that? Why would God allow this hardening? Why would he allow the Jews to reject him There it is in verse 8 of Romans 11 and 9. God's given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear. Why would he allow this to take place so that the Gentiles come in? I wouldn't have done that if I was God, you might say. If I was God, I'd have just poured out my salvation uh, on both Jew and Gentile. All right, but you're not God. And I haven't got time to go through Romans 9, but one of the Romans 9 is this. Who are you, O man, to question God? Who are you to say what's fair and what's not fair, and who he should choose and who he should not choose, and how his purposes should arrange? And he'll have mercy on whom he'll have mercy, and harden whom he'll harden. And so, if God allows people to reject him, who are you to say anything about that? That's the power of Romans 9. But now I want to come in to the end times. Look in verse 11 of Romans uh, 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? So in verse 11, Paul is saying, so therefore is that the end for Israel? Have they stumbled and stumbled so badly, physical Israel, that they'll never, ever in history recover in the plans of God? And he says, certainly not. God is not finished with Israel. He's barely even started. He says, look, through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentile, how much more their fullness? Paul's saying this. If the fall and the hardening of Israel, if if the Jews are not getting saved so that the Gentiles can come in, if their fall is a blessing to us, how much more of a blessing to us will be their restoration? You know what I'm saying? If their hardening, if their rejecting of the Messiah brings the blessing on the Gentiles, then how much more will their blessing come on the Gentiles when they're restored? And he says, for I speak to you as, as Gentiles, in as much as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, that I magnify my ministry. If any means, I may provoke jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. For if they're being cast away, verse 15, is the reconciling of the world. Listen to this. this is, do you know what? In the teaching service, we go, I know we're, it's still introductory, but we're hitting stuff deep. I give you stuff to go away and chew on. I give you stuff that you have to go away and chew, chew, chew. But listen, this is amazing. If they're being cast away, reconciles the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? In other words, Paul is saying, tell you what, something's going to happen. If they're falling away from God, brings the blessing to you what's going to happen when they're restored? If their casting away brings the reconciling of the whole world, what will their acceptance be? In other words, Paul is saying, there's going to be a day when they're accepted. It'll be like life from the dead. He says, you wait. You wait. Right now, you might be saying, I don't understand why Israel is not getting saved. Why, why are the Jewish people so hardened against their own Messiah? I don't understand. God, and Paul says, you won't understand it's a mystery, but it's God's purpose. And you thank God because it's allowing you opportunity to be saved. But if their hardened hearts is giving the world an opportunity, what's going to happen when their hearts softening? I tell you what, it's going to be like Jesus' resurrection. If you think that the that the nation of Israel and the physical Israelites, if you think when it comes to the gospel, they're dead and buried because of their hardness of heart, let me tell you something. There is coming in the end times, and I prophesy it's coming soon, a resurrection of God's purposes in salvation for the physical Israelite. And it will be before the eyes of the church as powerful a resurrection of God's salvation as the resurrection of Jesus himself. If their demise has caused our prosperity, you wait, their restoration will just send us sky high in the plans of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And uh, there we get in verse 25, for I do not desire brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery. You will understand all of this. But just believe what I'm teaching you today. Just accept God at face value. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. All Israel. This is going to be the end time revival of revivals. And I think it's right and fitting that the last end-time revival is for the firstborn of God, Israel. And there's different views. I spoke about the rapture last uh, week, and godly Christians have different views of the rapture. Some believe that before the tribulation, the church will be raptured away to banquet in heaven while God pours out his wrath on earth. And the view there is that the church will be raptured And God's finished with the time of the Gentiles, and then he'll turn back and finish his plans with Israel before Jesus returns. But this view is that we're not here. We've been raptured away, secretly, silently. We're in heaven, and while we're in heaven, God then focuses on Israel. And many people believe that, and if you believe that, that's that's fine. Um, But I believe that actually the end time plan for Israel is part of the church's destiny. If Israel brought the Messiah to the church, I believe that one day it will be the witness of the church that brings the Messiah back to Israel. That we who have been served by Israel and the patriarchs, we in turn will serve them with the gospel. Paul talks a number of times about making the Jews jealous doesn't he in other words that the Jewish people the physical Jewish people will see the power of God the goodness of God in the church spiritual Israel believing Jews believing Gentiles the church spiritualism that they will see the manifestation of the end time revival on the church believing Jew and Gentile and it will have such a powerful testimony and our love for Israel and the world, but our special love for Israel and our service of them, that God will open their eyes, unblock their ears, and the last great revival its just going to be great, because there's going to be an end time revival. Because let me tell you, the darkness is going to get darker, but the light is going to get brighter. And so as we get brighter and stronger, and as the revival gets stronger around the world, even though the devil gets stronger, As the revival's hitting a height, then God is going to crown His purposes before His Son returns and He is going to bring Israel wholly into salvation. All Israel, the full nation, is going to turn to Christ, and I believe the church will be there, and God will, that is just like God, to use Israel to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and then just before the Messiah returns, to bring the Gentile church and the believing remnant to bring the gospel into Israel. So that's why it's important to keep your eyes on what's going on in Israel. We pray for all nations here at Kensington Temple, but in our hearts there is a special place. Yes. As there was a special place in Paul's heart, and as there is a special place in God's heart for Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. We we don't say that Israel is, is righteous, because Israel's unsaved, by and large. And so if you think that the nation of Israel is going to do good all the time, you're mistaken. They're as unsaved as unsaved Islamic people. They're unsaved. So don't don't defend Israel if it does bad things. You hear what I'm saying? But pray for Israel. Bless Israel. See the signs because the end time revival is coming. Well, I'm going to take five minutes of questions. I believe I brought a book. Um, if you could just give me a book. So we're going to take some questions on this subject. So if you've got a question, just lift your hand. Some of you, I know, would like to go a little bit more in detail in the text, because I just skipped you through, didn't I? Well, there is a book available on Amazon or in our bookshop. They should have some in or they could order some. And there it is. It's by Michael Eaton, a great friend of our senior minister in the church. Michael Eaton It's called The, the Christian Israel and the Hope of World Revival, Romans 9 to 11. Michael Eaton. There you are. Uh, the, the Christian Israel and the Hope of World Revival. And that will, then you can soak in a lot more of what I've been saying through that book. Okay, microphone ready? Any questions? Just lift your hand, don't be shy. No question is a bad question. Yep, right over here.
1: Yeah, hello, hi. Hi. My question is, since uh, the Jewish people have the Old Testament, there are quite a few um, prophecies about Christ in the Old Testament. How come they've not been able to see these prophecies and believe in Christ?
0: Did you all hear that? They've got prophecies of Christ clearly in the Old Testament. And here's your answers in your question. How come they haven't been able to see? Well, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see. Now, when I say God has given, God has allowed them. Okay? So, in other words, they have blinded themselves with unbelief, and God has allowed that to his purposes. And so, that's why, at times, things that are so clear to a believing Jew or a believing Gentile, they just can't see. It's a spiritual blindness. It's a bit similar, if not the same. Uh, The God of this age has blinded all unbelievers, hasn't they? So it's not just the Jewish people, but all those that are unbelievers have been blinded by the enemy and their own unbelief, uh, blinded against the gospel. So in this particular way, they just don't see it, just like we didn't see it before we got saved. Next question. No question is a bad question, or a foolish question. Yeah.
1: Um, my question is, if, if, if the Jews believe in God, God and have faith in God and um, his ways, that he'll save them, why do they have weapons of mass destruction to, to destroy everyone else?
0: Okay. Well, that's a good question. If, if the Jews believe in God, why do they have mass weapons of mass destruction to destroy everybody else? Because they're an unbelieving nation, just like everybody else. They're natural Israel. But we're, we're, what we're looking for is spiritual Israel. So, believing Jews or Christians. So, we're talking about a nation that's not saved, so therefore doesn't think in saved ways like most nations. But when God pours out his revival on a nation, and every nation has its time, doesn't it? Look at South America recently and, uh, and Africa, parts of Africa. When every nation has its time and God's choosing, He pours out their spirit, those nations can get very, very highly saved, and righteousness comes and changes a nation's ability. Another question? Yeah, yeah. A couple of questions. Quickly, quickly. Ah, there. Thank you, Daniel.
1: Uh, Pastor Bruce, um, the two witnesses, they say, that um, are killed. And I can't remember whether it's between the, um, the, um, the, the time of the Antichrist, you know, the seven years, yeah. or is it during the time of, of the, the, the Israelites yeah. coming back to spirituality?
0: Yeah. Um, you're talking about the two witnesses found in the book of Revelation during the time of the Antichrist and during the time of the Tribulation. Now the question is, and this is the pro- this is the thing I haven't really got an answer for you, but I can set a context. The thing about Revelation is, you've always got to act, ask yourself when you're reading Revelation, how literal is it, or how symbolic is it? Whenever you read it. So the question is, are these two witnesses? Two physical human beings, a sort of Elijah figure that God is going to use in the end times. Two particular individuals that will prophesy, will be killed, but will be raised from the dead. Are they two individuals? I'm not going to answer that for you today. You have to find out yourself. Or are they symbols? Are they symbols of the church? Are they symbols? You have to ask yourself... And, and, and come to your own conclusion and look at different opinions on that. So, again, when you're looking at Revelation, the question is always, how literal is it or how symbolic is it? Uh, uh, uh. Right. Last question. Did you have a question there? Yeah. We'll take this last question, then we finish dead on time, ready for our revival. So, Holy Spirit service time. Mine's
1: not actually a question. I'm just following on from last week when you kind of put us to the test, so I did what you actually kind of what does that do when you said about the american airlines oh
0: yes i yes. was so Can I, was, I just fill them in and then I, I said that in the past that american airlines had um, had a policy that they would never put two born again christians as pilot and co-pilot in case the rapture took place and then there would be a problem and you you went and i got actually in touch?
1: Um, pursued that to see and um, i called yeah american airlines in america and um asked them, did they have a policy back in the 90s? If so, is it still existing? And the girl had, was completely blank. She goes, no, I don't think there was one. Hmm. I said, well, do you mind if I talk to your supervisor? So she got the supervisor, and um, she said, you know, every pilot is trained and professional. It doesn't, It's not based on religion. And I went further to say, no, I'm not asking about the religion, I'm just saying, do you understand what I'm saying about being saved? She goes, no, I don't. So I explained it to her, and then she said, that would be against policy to ask a pilot what their religion is. So I didn't get any further, and then she said, why don't you write a letter to the actual customer service and see what they say to you? Meanwhile, my sister is a a flight attendant on U.S. Airways. So I asked her, and she goes, no. She goes, no, I've never heard that myself, and I've asked different people. Basically, for all of us, U.S. Airways has now bought out American Airlines, and the blessing is the director of U.S. Airways is a Christian, so everyone will be safe, regardless if you take U.S. Airways or American Airlines.
0: Okay. But but you never found out if it was a policy or not no so so we'd have to probably speak to someone that was around at the time wouldn't we so keep keep finding out if you if you can do a little more digging find out someone who was around at that time and come back and let us know if that's true or just one of those christian things that we like to talk about All right, well, God bless you all. Tonight, the senior minister is going to be talking about how to give and receive personal prophecy, and there's going to be some personal prophecy in this place tonight, God willing. God bless you all. See you next week. Amen. Next week, I'll be teaching on what happens on earth after Jesus returns. What happens on earth after Jesus returns. Thank you very much.